Bigger than cakes. Give me some outside. Yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to it, and then I watched it. Hello, welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I'm still Zach and you're still Angela. What's happening? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I am still Angela. I, I checked and Skype says I am, so therefore I must be. Skype, the definitive identification in the UK right now. Um, I don't really have... I'm not going to lie, I just haven't looked if there's any news. There could be huge comic book news and I just haven't checked the, like today. Um, so I was going to... I briefly looked on Twitter and all that was on a lot of the comic websites is just TV related, so I figured let's just skip over that and not worry. Uh, we, we, we can go right past all the TV stuff, I reckon. Especially as Twitter's got it covered. Imagine yeah. getting news anywhere else. Um <laughs> Well, so, when it burns down, who knows where we'll be going? Where will we get our news when Twitter's gone? Mastodon? Who knows? People never know. Um, so this week, we are going to be talking about Little Monsters by Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen. I'm going to pronounce it Nguyen for the next like amount yeah. of minutes. If I'm wrong, sorry. Um, but before we get there, I wanted to do a little bit of a talk about Jeff Lemire, um, Dustin Nguyen, and kind of vampires. Just to yeah. set the scene for who we are as people, we, we do this every few months, every time vampires come up seemingly, but let's yeah. never back down. No. Um, also, I realised on the last few episodes, we kind of like try and be vague and teasing about what the uh, books are going to be when they're right there in the title of the podcast episode <laughs> i don't know what we're doing so uh yeah professional to thinker you know i'm gonna figure out how mm. to do how to rationalize that in my own brain um so we've never made it a secret that we're quite big jeff lemire fans on bigger than capes yeah if you've missed that you've clearly not listened to an episode yes we've i think we've made an effort to not cover all of his first issues on and every roundup yeah. and not constantly getting to Jeff Lemire space. He is less prolific than he used to be, but still pretty prolific. Yeah. But with that in mind, I can't remember other than this book right now. Mm. I'm not sure what the last Jeff Lemire book I read was. I, 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 I know, I, I I know what mine falls. was. I know mine was Primordial. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was recent. Yeah. That was... That was this uh, year. This year. At least the trade was this year. I don't know if the book started last year. No. Um, and also... What else? And there was also The Bone Orchard. Yeah. Um, which was a thing. That was the passageway that I think we both read, which was yeah. a like, graphic novel that I read a lot, and I still don't get <laughs> no i don't understand it i i have read it multiple times just because i'm like am i missing something is there something really obvious here i yes. don't think I, I don't think i did don't think um I did. 
I was waiting for that to come back around and me like understand it, but it always felt like a watered down Gideon Falls issue. Um, I haven't read the next Bone Orchard book, which is coming out in singles. I want to say it's got something about feathers in the name. Is it is it black feathers? You know what? I feel like it is black feathers, <laughs> but I now cool. feel like. I might just be making that up because it sounds right. It sounds cool. It is. 10,000 Black Feathers. 10,000 Black Feathers is... Um, oh, there we go. Um, which is... So LeMay is focusing at the moment on this kind of shared horror universe that him and Andrea Sorrentino are putting together kind of off the back of them doing... Um, obviously, Gideon Falls together and Primordial... And a few other things. They've, they've I think yeah, they worked at DC together when he was on Animal they Man. They have. I think they have, yeah. Um, There's a history there. Yeah, they've done not quite a solid amount of books together. Maybe it wasn't Animal Man, but they've definitely worked at either DC or Marvel together on a book. They did Joker. I know they did Killer Smile. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, they did, didn't they? But I feel like there's something before that. Um, I don't want to get into that too much today, but... Despite being the horror guy, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure Bone Orchard is for me and being a Jeff Lemire guy. So that's quite yeah. weird. Um, but by and large, I, I think we both we were both big into Descender, which is yeah. basically the exact creative team here. I can't remember. So the letterer for Little Monsters is Steve Wands. I can't remember if he was the letterer for Descender, Descender and Ascender. I'm pretty sure he was. I feel like he I feel, was. But... I feel like if ever Jeff Lemire does a book, it's a good bet that Steve Wands will be involved in the lettering at some point. At, at least recently. At recently least, he has. I think um, it is. I should know from my lettering knowledge, but I can't confirm or deny, but I feel like it was. Yes. If if we're wrong. We're sorry. wrong. Sorry. Um, the editor for this was Greg Lockard. 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 Uh, Lockard. Lockard. Um, <laughs> also in the credits, there is a special thanks to Kaylee. I'm going to go Kaylee, yeah. And uh, background assistance is Shirley Wu. I don't know if she was like helping in the background or if she assisted with the backgrounds in the comic. Perhaps we'll never know. I like to think it's the latter. I, I would hope so. <laughs> um, but fairly minimal creative team. Um, there isn't a colorist because most of this is black and white. There's a little bit of red here and there and other yeah. colors kind of in Romy's graffiti, street art, yeah. doodlings. Uh, graffiti it doesn't look like graffiti or street art. It does look like kind of childlike doodling. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, this isn't the first vampire book we have covered. We did an, is- an issue. No, we didn't. We did an episode on the all-nighter. Um, we did. Not that long ago. Probably no. three months ago, maybe? Four months? Yeah. Yeah, this um, yeah, definitely this year. And we've covered a little bit of West of Sundown on a roundup. Yeah. Um, where you've definitely talked in passing about Bloodstained Teeth. We have. I must catch up with that. Yes, me too. Um. I'm not sure what else. I feel like we've done a few different vampire books over the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, this 
kind of get in, gets into a different space, which is something I've always said I'm a fan of, is when vampire books try and do something different to other vampire books. Yeah. I think this does try to do something different, and we'll get into the details of that as we go. Um, I feel like I don't have much to say intro-wise beyond. We like Jeff Lemire, we like yeah. Justin Ewan, and we read some vampire books sometimes. So it seemed like a good fit. <laughs> Yeah, it felt inevitable. Uh, I think the trade came out two or three weeks ago now. It's it's recent-ish. Yeah. Um, it is through Image and is probably available everywhere. Let's be honest, that's how these things go. Yeah. Probably the most available indie publisher. Probably the least yeah. indie indie publisher. That's another territory yeah. to unpack. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is another debate. But true. Mo- yeah, most definitely. Um, would you like to do an intro of the like story, and then we'll build I can, the, oh. the, the tale. So basically, Little Monsters follows some children. Um, yes, children. Inverted commas. Um, spoiler alert: they're also vampires. So you've got different. What well, they've come? They've all come from. We're set in the far future. We're set in like. 3,000 and something or other. Um, and they've all these children were turned at different points in history. So you've got Romy, Romy, who is the eldest, who doesn't speak and writes a lot in crayon. Uh, you've got Yui, who loves books, who was at Hiroshima. You've got Lucas, who has a guitar and sings songs. Um, you've got Ronnie and Raymond, the twins, who seem to enjoy wounding each other by knocking each other off buildings um you've got bats and vicky who i can't remember if we found out where they're from but they're the least interesting let's just throw that out there harsh (laughs) and then you've got billy who's like the newest one who's also sort of the leader who's a bit more rebellious who wants to push things out um so they're living in this chronic wasteland um of the future playing capture the flag and pushing each other off of buildings and just sitting and making up songs. Um, when they come across an, a live person, a live adult, um, mm. which is a bad thing <laughs> for the poor chap involved. Um, and basically, Romy comes across him first, but runs away. Billy finds this guy wounded and the bloodlust hits and Billy, you know, sucks his blood and all that it doesn't end well for the guy but the chap has a daughter laura who uh then is taken in sort of by Romy and yui and lucas and they've got a half so it's narrated basically by laura and is her name laura i'm sure it's laura yeah she's laura uh, it's only it. said once which that's why i doubt myself so she's narrating it part way through and there's also a camp of humans that they attack and it does not go well for anyone particularly um so now you're in this situation where you've got these vampire kids who are aware who have tasted fresh human blood they have been living off rats and mice and now they've tasted fresh human blood and this gives billy ideas and yeah it's it's a dystopian teenagey vampire tale to a certain degree because they're all different ages they're all old i think it's difficult to tell their ages because they're vampires, 
but I think the hint is that they're all children. So they're all clearly, un, you know, but Bats looks quite old. Bats looks like he could be a teenager. Yeah. Um, and they've all been turned at different points in history by a mysterious adult, supposedly vampire. Adults, who told them I think. Adults, yeah. Different adults, I think. Yeah, different ones. three. Yeah, and they, you, throughout you get to see a bit of their origin stories and they were told to stay in this place and don't eat people. Well, that's gone to... <laughs> Heck, hasn't it? That was a really long, convoluted way of describing this plot. But essentially, vampire children come across living people, um, murder ensues. In a nutshell, there there will be spoilers as well. I guess we should Mm. pepper that in early. I think everything you said is true. The only thing I think, and I could be wrong, maybe I've missed it. I thought this was only 300 years in the future. You know, I can't remember, so I'm going to have to now flick through to where we find the heat. Because I think Laura mentions the year. Yeah, Laura says that her dad and one of the other guys in the camp have been kind of trying to keep track of the year. And I think I think yeah. it's the 2320s, but I'm not sure which. You could be right. There's definitely a three in there, can confirm. Yes. I won't be able to find it flicking through there now, but... That's often the if, way. If it, if it comes to me, I'll let you know. Uh, but, yeah, and, and there's a hint as well as there's been a pandemic, because when we see the flashback to Billy, yes. um, it's the second pandemic, which is slightly concerning. Yeah, which is apparently going to happen in about seven years. Uh, yeah. His yeah. Period, time period when he gets turned is 2029. So thanks for that, Jeff. Um so cheery, Jeff. So not, cheery. Not going to let that, uh, like, you know, consume my expectations for 2029. Um, <laughs> I I do question if it's just a case of not wanting to set uh, Billy now, like right now, because yeah. we kind of see different events lead to different people being turned. So... Yui is ch- is turned in 1945 in Hiroshima, where you know obviously bad things happened. They did. Um, and I'm not I'm not sure about the other events. That was the one that came immediately so to me. Got, um, I could tell you, I don't know about Lucas. Romy, Romy, I don't know how to pronounce it, but is Romy. Black Forest in 1763. Yeah. Yeah, who clearly lives with their grand... It's interesting because they're not gendered because they have short hair Yes. in the... when this is taking place, but in the flashbacks they have long hair, so it's unclear. But they're always referred to as they. They're never referred to by any other pronoun. That's their chosen pronouns. But Romy, Romy, lives with their grandfather who is killed by a vampire who's then like, oh, you're all alone. Come with me, child. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie and Raymond, uh, basically, it's the depression. Nebraska in the thirties, yeah. Yeah, it's the depression. They're basically they're the eldest, so they've left home because the parents can't afford to feed them, um, and they end up meeting a weirdo, having flung themselves off a train, as you do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's all different, but I don't know where Bats, Vicky, and Lucas come from. No, I assume we'll get their origins in issues seven, eight, and nine. Yeah. Issue seven is out now. I was going to try and read it, but then decided not to because I didn't know if you'd have time. So here we are. Same. <laughs> um, I think it's an interesting idea to suggest that every time there's some kind of global event going on, 
um, a child, a vampire appears and a child gets turned. Yeah. I feel like there's some underlying nuance to that that perhaps will matter later uh, or not. It might just be a, a good way to tie it to real world events. I'm not sure. It doesn't massively tie it to real world stuff. It just ties it to history things yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird one um i'm not sure i'm not sure if there's any significance to it or if it's just convenient to be like hey this is the reason these people were on their own this is the reason these are on the, you know because basically yeah. every va- every elder vampire gives the kids a spiel about them being all alone yeah you'll never hurt again you'll never be alone again you'll never die again so I don't know, is that foreshadowing some kind of thing of vampires trying to take care of these kids and be protective in a really odd way? I don't know. Um, maybe? It's very, it's weird that, like, I mean, because these are all different children from different periods. Yeah. And these are different vampires doing the, the turning. So is this like something they have to tick off their vampire list? Like... Oh, turn a child. Ch- yeah, traumatic yeah, event. Turn a child. On the vampire bucket list. Yeah, because it just is very odd that and they've all ended up here and they talk about they told us to stay here. So it's yeah. like they're familiar with all of these adult vampires. It's all very unclear. And when we see Billy confronted, all the other kids are with one vampire, so like with one adult vampire. So, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. Perhaps all will come to light in further issues. Um, narratively, not much happens. Um, no. Um, this is, what, 150-ish pages, if we take of actual comic, if we yeah. just don't include the covers and stuff. Um, not a very dense first volume i think it's good that we see the origins of romy ue billy uh ronnie and raymond but of the present day all we basically see is what you've described in the intro yeah kids hanging out they find a living person uh some of them find the daughter the ones who find the dad decide to go kill some more humans uh, the ones that find Laura are the kind of more apprehensive, wanting to stay back and not necessarily betray the orders they've been given. Yeah. Um, there's not much rhyme or reason to who goes with each group. At first, I thought the younger vampires would be more rebellious, but then that's not entirely the tr- case because... Romy is the old Romy while Romy is the oldest, um Yui is relatively young, only a hundred years older than Billy. Yeah. So I don't know. It's not a very clear divide there in who chooses each group. But I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the the blood hungry, bloodlusty 
group go off to do some more killing. The nice guy vampires stay back and protect Laura. Yeah. And that kind of takes six issues. Yeah. And that really surprised me just how long that took to tell as a, nar- as a narrative. It doesn't feel very dense. And whilst I appreciate there's quite a lot of backstory put in for for individual characters, I don't feel like I learn a, a lot about the world or just a lot about anything, really. No, I mean... We don't let, even though we get the flashbacks to Billy and Yui and Romy and all that, you don't really, you still don't learn about them as people, almost. No, like, you just see the origins. Yeah, and you you kind of get the feeling. I mean, there is a very, very, I suppose a very thin line that Billy is the way he is, that he's the more bloodlusty, crazy, desperate to eat one because you can see that during the pandemic he stole food to feed yeah. himself. But, I mean, I'm drawing a very tenuous link here. There's nothing in here that's actually spelling that out. And, mm. you know, maybe Yui, because she saw lots of death, likes to hide away in a library, and she doesn't like change. But, again, it's all really tenuous. Lucas, no clue, because Lucas seems to be acting a bit like the wise mentor person to Yui. Don't know why. What's in no. his story? Learn nothing absolutely about him other than the fact sometimes he writes songs, but he doesn't write them down. Um, and then it's like, it, they're very thinly sketched as characters, and it just, it feel, which is weird, because Lemire's usually really good at that bit. Yeah, I mean, we've always said in the past that his character work is, like, some of the best in comics ever. He does a great job of padding out character detail seemingly effortlessly but what gets me here is i don't know if i've read another jeff lemire book that introduces eight nine characters yeah it's too many so quickly because even at the immediately reading this i had to start taking notes of who was who and you know trying to give myself a little bit to remember like just by being like lucas guitar um i feel like we're given a very vague look and maybe you could pad that out later but i'm used to lemire kind of giving us a lot of information up front i think of like royal city has a lot of characters but they all seem more realized and full uh here everyone does seem a little bit vague which i also feel is reflected in the art i feel like yeah compared to descender and ascender and i don't know little gotham (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh dustin newen's art seems a lot rougher around the edges and more unfinished i think part of that is that i'm so used to the kind of watercolors of descender yeah or watercolor styled styles at least uh, but yeah. i don't know this both in writing and in art doesn't feel as complete as their previous projects together have no i i would agree and um, yeah it's I think there's too many characters. I mean, I get why, because you want a gang of kids. You've got to have a gang of kids. And if you're going to break them up, 
you do you do have to have the characters to divide yeah but the problem is is that there's they're all just thrown in there and then it would have because it seems to start off with almost like i don't know the way that i first read it reading it the bits that i read in singles like the first issue was introducing hey these are these are actually vampire children they've been left all alone Mm. um and then oh there's a live person and i thought oh maybe this is you know what's going to happen here is he gonna reveal their existence is he a vampire hunter what's going on and then when you have laura actually shoot romy with a an arrow through the heart and so we we can establish that these are vampires that you have to decapitate to kill we know that now we know that now but when that when the, i first read that as a single and ending i thought oh romy's dead because throughout they've been saying oh romy will be fine you know they're the eldest of us they just wander off they'll be back and i thought oh what if this girl has actually killed this child vampire accidentally or otherwise that was where i thought that was going turns out no romy's just like yeah here's an arrow i've just pulled it out my chest i'm fine which it's interesting because although Romy doesn't talk, they are quite easily the most likable character for, for me Hell at yeah. least. And I, I don't even know, I don't know if it's just the kind of childish wandering around, doodling on walls, not really getting involved with the group, which gives them the space to kind of not annoy me in any way. Yeah. Like, Ronnie and Raymond annoy me. (laughs) (laughs) They immediately remind me of the twins from Rugrats. Hell yeah. Who annoyed me. As a kid, they annoyed me. So as an adult, they also annoy me. Also, I made a note early on that Raymond was the cautious one. And was the kind of, you know baiting hey jump off the thing hey do this kind of tough one then change that note to go oh no my bad ronnie's the cautious one Mm. then changed it back because the two characters i swear to god either i just cannot tell which of these kids is which or jeff lemire can't yeah i i do not the one that's the one that gets decapitated I thought <laughs> was Raymond and then isn't I don't um, know I no I just, think it's I think is it hang on <laughs> you know I've read this page I don't know how many times just to double check and I didn't actually make a note of which one was which I think that's part of the problem with them is that they're just completely interchangeable and neither of them are characterised well enough. We can say, ah, yes, Ronnie is this one and Ronnie is that one because it's not yeah. straight so throughout here. It, it, is, it is Ronnie that dies. Ronnie dies. Who... I don't know. I... I feel like there is... confusion maybe it's me and maybe it's just because they look exactly the same yeah or 
it definitely the the personalities feel like they go back and forth in a confusing way maybe i'm wrong maybe it's always clear which one is which and i just have read this twice and um a fool but no i, I couldn't keep them straight in the head i also don't understand why they need to have the same hair and dress exactly the same because when we see their origin they're not dressed the same no i don't know when they decided to and it makes sense because if you're poor you're not going to be bothering about dressing your children in identical outfits, yeah. are you? So, I don't understand why in their past they were clothed in whatever because it was the Depression, yet now they're like, hey, let's both wear our matching overalls and hoodie combination, yeah? <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I, I struggled to keep track of which twin was which. Yeah. Which also seemed to, which, I don't know if that was me or the narrative or both. If you've read Little Monsters and you're listening, tweet us. Comment on the post on biggerthancapes.com. Let us know which twin you thought was which and if you were confused. Yeah, because we were. Um, but I feel okay. like they are the exact opposite of Romy in... I Romy? Romy? I think I've called them both names now. Yeah, just, I have as well. Yeah. Who I, I completely understood... And was like, I, I get this character. It, I also think Yui and Lucas seem more defined. Yeah. Basically, if you're in the group who doesn't want to go and eat the people. Yeah. I get you. And if you're in the group who are like, hey, let's get us some blood, man. I feel like you weren't very well defined in this. I mean, Bats and Vicky might as well not be there. Just yeah. saying. What do they bring to... Like, when Billy goes to attack the camp, so he goes off with Bats, Vicky, Ronnie and Raymond, and whichever one ends up dead. Ronnie? Ronnie ends up dead. We think Ronnie. (laughs) It seems like that's the sole purpose of having the twins there, is so that one of them can die and get decapitated and the other one get captured by a human who clearly has plans. But it's like, Billy is the one driving it all. Billy's the one who's the violent bloodsucker yes bats and vicky are just like they're like those nameless henchmen yeah in a just film, along for the ride. they're just along for the ride it's just like they're there because obviously we can't just have billy and the twins particularly when one of them dies we need to pad out his group a little bit so we're just yeah. gonna throw them in but they add nothing to it they're literally they're just there they're there like non-speaking henchmen in a james bond movie that's their but. Yeah, kind of, which doesn't feel very Lemire. I think there are so many characters within books like Descender that make perfect sense to me. They surprised me in this that we're not really given enough info on anyone. Yeah. Um, I, I understand the divide. and I, I like the idea of the reluctant vampires and the desperate for something new vampires the bloodlust vampires if you will bloodlust vampires yeah um i also appreciate the kind of metaphor for change and growing up and the idea that yui doesn't want things to change and lucas keeps explaining like well, everything changes nothing lasts forever in the cold rain um 
and I think that works as a kind of coming of age narrative that some of them are, are, are desperate to grow up and become I don't know the final form of vampire that <laughs> dines on human blood and the others are kind of eager not to I don't yeah. know if that's I guess that's reflected in their backstories that we see Yui is, you know, evolved in the in World War Two in Hiroshima and basically he's is forced to leave her past behind. It's the same with Romy, their pa- their past is taken from them by this vampire. Um but in contrast we kind of see Ronnie and Raymond being quite eager to step forward and leave the family home to fend for themselves because they're yeah. men now. And Billy is out finding food for his family. So I, I guess the reflection here is the group that are ready to move on and the group that have are forced to move on. Yeah. Which, yeah, illustrates different parts of kind of childhood and... Uh, dealing with traumatic events in different ways, I guess. I'm concerned, as I often am on podcasts, (laughs) that I am putting too much of my own thoughts into the... I I don't know how many of these things are really there and how much of it is just me overly reading into it in a desperate search for logic. I I see where you're coming from, because I think if you're reading it, you do need to sort of overlay something over this narrative because it feels like there is a concept here that Lemire is trying to communicate. And I think you're right in that it's about the different, you know, childhood and change and growing up and all that. And I think those themes are there. But I think that you're having to do a bit of a work as a reader to kind of think about that. You're having to overwork it a bit because it's not as clear as perhaps it could be narratively. Whether or not Lemire wants you to spend all your time reading into things, maybe he does. I feel like he can be that kind of a person. But at the same time, this feels, in terms of concept, it feels a little bit loose for him. It feels like, as a reader, you're having to go, all right, I see what the thing is, the children that leave and... The children, you know, the children that have suffered real, like, I mean, Billy has suffered trauma. Let's not, let's make that clear. He has suffered trauma. His mother. Yeah, but in a a different sense, I guess. Yeah, but that's a very different trauma to, you know, you, you, saw, you know, an atomic bomb literally wipe out a city. (laughs) Um, Romy basically saw, you know, their beloved grandfather um, was murdered. Um, and then you've got Lucas, who who knows what's happened. Lucas seems, I don't know, I'm maybe I'm reading too much into Lucas, but the way that Lucas is dressed and the way that Lucas is, I'm, it's just bringing up Vietnam for me. I don't know if I'm reading too much into that. Okay, I, I, I was kind of getting a, like, grungy aesthetic, but that, sa- that same aesthetic could overlap with, like... 60s 70s hippie yeah. acoustic guitar he, he does appear to be in like an army style jacket that's what i read into so yeah so, I, I could see this yeah. being a vietnam war vampire thing um yeah 
and then maybe again like that's why he's so you know change happens i don't you know because that seems quite yeah he's suffered through bad things and yeah yeah i'm thinking maybe it's like the level of traumas like ronnie and raymond left home and they were quite happy to do that so they don't have this trauma that the other i don't know but again i might be putting things here that aren't really there but yeah, that's I'm, what this I'm book sure, does to you i'm not sure how much is subtext and how much is us writing that subtext <laughs> pretty um, much yeah i don't know i i've seen reviews for this online that are all over the place i've, I've, I've seen the not to name names, but there are um, a many coin book sites that will blindly praise every single book all the time. Um, and then kind of the Goodreads side of things seems a lot more meh. Which, I don't know, I, I've, I've known people who respond to Lemire books as not being something else. I've talked in the past about, I know people who didn't like Descender because it wasn't Saga. Um, they're wrong. They're wrong. Descender is at the risk of being handed to the ends of the earth, the better book. Um, in this, though, I will say immediately, this feels like it's really, really close to The Walking Dead. Okay, yeah. The, the black and white, the post-apocalypse, yeah. the... It's it's like if we were getting The Walking Dead from the zombies' point of view, which I don't recall Robert Kirkman writing that issue where everything's just the zombies' point of view on the apocalypse. Yeah. But if he wrote it, I'd read it. That sounds oh yeah yeah sounds get pretty on. solid. You should get on that. Every dialogue box is just meaningless moans and just <laughs> I'll write you that zombie comic if if image hit me up. I'm I'm ready. You're... You're available for that. I'll I'll come up with a snappy name. I yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I did review. Did I review just the first issue of the first two? And I was quite positive about the first two. I think, or with the first one. The fact, mm. though, what I think is very telling is that this is a Jeff Lemire book, and I stopped reviewing it after two issues. Yeah, which which was a surprise. Um, I was quite happy to leave this one in the, the Angela Court. You'd done Primordial and it felt like a natural progression. And I know how much you love Ascender and Descender, as, as we both do. Um, so it was a surprise when you didn't continue. Because mm. um, I think I, I ran out of things to say. I think it's part of it is that I was like, yeah, here's issue one, and you can talk about issue one and background and all the rest of it, and then issue two, oh, and here's some more background, and here's... But because the plot is so basic and not a lot, I was like, I can't say anything new here. I'm just... Let's move on. I completely agree. I think the pacing is pretty glacial, and I do think it allows for the art to kind of be quite solid there's no denying that there are some really good panels and like breakdowns of movement and as as we often say that we like there is a a lot of kind of detail panels and little bits of facial expression when 
Laura and Romy first meet and Romy just like pops the single fang. That's really well done. Yeah. But I think there are some pages where it feels like we get a minimal amount of pan- pan- a minimal amount of panels, which feels more kind of manga-esque, which isn't a yes. bad influence to bring, especially with black and white. It all fits together quite nicely. But I do question how much of that styling is getting in the way of actual storytelling and narrative. It's it's nice to have the details, but it's mm. not like four kids walk into a bank. My go-to yeah. example of comic books has loads of detail, but and loads of little tiny panels doing bits of detail. Mm. But manages yeah. to cram in so much narrative too. Um, I also question things in this, like is Jeff Lemire really? or maybe Dustin Nguyen really dropping Easter eggs to other Jeff Lemire things, which is how <laughs> I felt about the passageway. Cause we get a little shot of Billy in the pandemic, putting the kind of painter's mask style yeah. mask over his face, which then makes him look a lot like Norton from Gideon Falls, which sure, you know, make that little reference if that's what you want. But it seems like if, if this is what you're dedicating panels to when, yeah. Not much is happening. I don't know. It, it's, a, it's a weird one. And I I don't know. Thematically, I feel like this is getting into some interesting spaces with the changes, coming of age, nurse. Um, but I'm also getting similar vibes. Right, Really up front, we're told, like, there's nothing beyond the city. You can't, we can't go anywhere. We were told to stay here unless we do go beyond the city and there is more to see the people who told us to stay are now gone which also made me immediately think of what's the furthest place from here yeah which is the same kind of teenagers in in buildings in an abandoned city who have all been told not to leave and have all been told that there's nothing else um which is weird because it's another image book and it feels like how many image books can (laughs) exist in the same kind of space also i don't know yeah i also get a weirdness from the ending of this which (sighs) at the risk of On the one hand, it feels very Walking Dead that the final page basically has to lead immediately into the next thing. And the Walking Dead always felt like you finished an issue and you you were straight into the next one. There were barely no chapter breaks in the trades and it was just relentless 150 pages of Walking Dead, which is a very Robert Kirkman thing. However... From a Lemire sense, just a really weak ending to an, to a volume. Very much so. Because I was, on the one hand, I was surprised how long it was. It was like, it doesn't feel like it's six issues. It feels like it's like four issues in terms of pacing, even maybe less than that. And then I was like, oh, is that, that it? No, that's, that's how you're ending it. Oh, okay, then. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't feel quite as 
polished as Lemire usually is with his endings. Um, yeah, because I, I think of the first volume of Descender, I can't remember quite how it ends. But I remember being satisfied, and this just makes me think, is that it? I could be wrong, but does the first volume of Descender end with the reveal of Tim 22? I think it might do, yeah. Which is an interesting hook. But this is just like, oh, they're having a fight now. Yeah, and I, I expected the next page to be the survivor from the camp making an appearance or something to do with the elders or all, all these things that have kind of the threads have been laid sewn. Yeah. <laughs> never that one or both of those things yes yes i i expected something of a cliffhanger and I didn't get it, which not, not even no. a major cliffhanger. I didn't need it to be like, here's Dracula or <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Nosferatu is back. Yeah, I didn't need it to be like massive, but this just doesn't end how I expect. I don't didn't have any expectations for how it would end as an issue as an issue or as a trade. But this was definitely not. No. What I expected. No, it's um, not. It's disappointing as endings go. Particularly when he's done, like, I mean, I'm going to compare it to Primordial because he was kind of working on them at roughly the same time. Yeah. Now, admittedly, that's like, did we have five or six issues? Um, I remember. I think there were six Primordials. Six, but it was six and done. So it was a complete volume on the one hand yes but each single felt like a really good story in and of itself yes um there were no bad endings to those issues and it feels it feels like that is a much more thought out narrative than this this just feels almost i don't want to say it's like the side project (laughs) But it feels like the side project because Primordial was so good and it did it did so much world building with an alternative, you know, the world if the Cold War hadn't ended and really well-defined characters, including, for God's sake, a couple of monkeys in a dog. <laughs> the fact that he's put in, the fact that a non-verbal monkey had more personality <laughs> in one issue primordial than these children have in this one trade is very telling. Um, so yeah, if it, that felt very Lemiri and I loved it and it was brilliant. This just feels like he's not really focused on it in the same way. Um, I am inclined to agree. I feel like okay. Th- this is going to sound harsh, <laughs> Go but for I it. but I feel like this and Bone Orchard both leave me feeling the same kind of way, which is that they're kind of being. Lemire coupled with an artist he has had successful books with in the past 
like you know Gideon Falls, Descender. Um, it feels like returning to those teams mm. because they have developed a fan base from those team from those books. And the assumption is that we will come back for more, even if the concepts are a little bit shakier and less defined. I know when we started Bigger Than Capes and when when we first met, whatever, two or three years before that, everything Lemire did seemed like gold. Like yeah. uh, Gideon Falls, Descender, uh, Bloodshot. Um, not all his Marvel work, but some of it, same with his DC. I think he did some really solid stuff and some kind of okay stuff. Stuff, yeah. Um, That really depressing one, Snow, what was it? Snow uh, Snow Angels, right? No, not that one. The the really depressing one about the hockey guy. um, Roughneck. Roughneck, that's it. Why do I think he had snow? Because it's got snow on the cover. Yeah. That's probably why. Uh, yeah, Roughneck, Frog yeah. Catchers, all really good comics that I have read multiple times. And I, yeah. I think I think there is a chance that there's just a, a bit of burnout from writing a lot of a lot of books. I know I read an interview with him where Lemire was talking about like nine to five writing comics and then like five till nine drawing comics and like that's how spending a a week writing a volume of bloodshot and then not thinking about bloodshot for months and i i kind of question like is working in that style just led to a point where we're not getting the best of jeff lemire Mm. and i don't know it surprises me because I, I know I've said in previous episodes that Royal City is like one of my favorite series yeah. ever. And this doesn't feel like there's anywhere near the attention to detail as there is in Royal City. No, I I agree. And I agree because I think once in Dustin, how did we pronounce it before? Newen. Newen, thank you. Dustin Newen. Because they did descend together and it was a really good comic and it was brilliant. And then they were like, okay, so we've done sci-fi, so then we'll do fantasy. So we'll do Ascender, which is, you know, it's related to Descender, but it's a very different kind of a book because it deals with magic as opposed to technology. Yes. And then it almost, I feel, I don't know whether it was their idea or Rimish's idea going, okay, so you've done sci-fi, you've done fantasy, can we tick off the horror box? Yeah, how do you feel about survival horror? Yeah, how how's that going for you? And um, I mean, they are a really good pairing. You know, their work on Descender and Ascender together is is fantastic, brilliant stuff. But yeah, this isn't at that level. It's just it, that's no. just a, the difficult third album has turned out to be a bit of a, <laughs> a and bit of I, a I problem. Do, yeah, and I I do find myself questioning like if I hadn't read Descender and Ascender and if I hadn't read basically every Jeff Lemire book, yeah, and every Dustin Newen book, would I be coming at this with a completely with completely fresh eyes and seeing this as like 
far more intriguing a first volume than I am as the veteran Lemire fan. I do question whether it is just the fact that we've read so much Lemire and we've read stuff by this exact creative team before, quite a lot of issues, quite a lot of volumes, that maybe... Yeah. A hundred issues between... Mm. No, maybe not, but like 70 issues maybe between Descender and Ascender. Yeah, because it was about was it about 45 for Descender? I, I would have slightly, said 45 or 50. Yeah, and then slightly less for Ascender. So yeah, probably about eight, you know, 80, 90 issues. Easily. Um, so maybe without that knowledge, we would have been more receptive to this book because we our expectations are high because we know what they're capable of doing and this hasn't yeah. met those expectations fully maybe i don't know maybe if you were less of a lemire fan and you hadn't read all his stuff maybe you would be more like this is a good book i would still question that because i don't know i mean it's difficult because you're always going this is a jeff lemire book but i do wonder if it had been a lesser creative team. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something really weird now because I'm gonna compare it to a second issue of a book that I haven't finished the review of. So, <laughs> oh, is it Kaya issue two? It is Kaya issue two <laughs> because that issue has the world's simplest, most boring plot, which is basically we lost all our food crossing a very fierce river. We must go hunt things now. Like, that is a terribly, terribly simple plot. And yet that one issue with that terribly, terribly simple plot gives you character insight into all the characters involved. It gives you background to the world. Yeah, it's a bit too expeditiony at times. But that's doing more with a really simple plot in one issue than this is doing in a simple plot in six issues. And that's sad. (laughs) Yeah, that that does that isn't ideal. <laughs> um, I yeah, I, I feel like I I just expected more, and I I, I can see what you mean about yes, yeah, sing, some single issues pack more into a single issue than this has in a trade. Um, I'm kind of curious if this if the intention here was to establish loosely the characters so the second trade, the third trade, the whatever trade can pad them out, pad out their pad, pad them mm. out as characters and pad out the universe. It just feels odd to start a book without much character work or world building or yeah. story. Because <laughs> I think and both Descender and Ascender had that. The first volume of both of those was really strong on all those things. I feel like in that first issue of Descender, I think it's the first issue. Pretty sure it's the first issue. Um, Tim 21 and Bandit. You know all you need to know about them as characters. Essentially in that bit where Tim finds Bandit and Bandit's going, Fra! Fra! (laughs) And Tim's like, oh man, you're... 
speech circuits are, are all backwards. Let me fix that. Fixes it. And you're expecting this huge, you know, yeah. talking robot. And instead he's just going, ah, ah. Oh, yes. Like, yes. In that one little bit, it feels like so much about both those characters is said. And I don't feel like we have that for anyone in this. I feel like. No. That and the scenes we see of Andy reading Trinket Tocket, is it? The kids' book. Yeah, the kids' book. And things like that mean that when Andy turns up as an adult, it's. He's so. You already know what to expect from him. Mm. Even though his path has gotten so weird. I don't know. the, The character work just doesn't feel as realized at any point, and that is disappointing um and yeah i expected more character work and a little bit more world building i i'm intrigued to see if we get it in the next volume issues yeah i think romy is the one that comes closest to it when romy's looking through the car and the rucksack and you know going through stuff and finding pens and the stuffed octopus and throws the octopus away and puts it back that I think is the closest we've got, and again, that's why Romy is the most likable character. Yeah, that feels like the most definitive. The the throwing the octopus away and then going back for it, and the opening the kind of pencil case and clearly being really excited about it means kind of gives more depth than anyone else's little bit as a character equally getting shot in the chest and then just handing the arrow back i love that just like, so polite like here you are there's there's no it, so many vampire stories it would be hey you've shot me so i'm gonna kill you and we i don't think we get that it's this sweet little like hey you've shot me thanks yeah and nice. I, I don't know i maybe that's it maybe, maybe all the character work is is put into Romy, Romy, whatever we're settling on. <laughs> if anyone knows, tweet us bigger than Gabe, so we know how to pronounce this goddamn name. Um But yeah, a lot of the other characters don't feel as well realized, which on the other hand, how many Lemire books are about one kid? True. M- maybe Jeff's just not got eight kids worth of nine kids worth of <laughs> story in him full concepts after quite a lot of books with child protagonists yeah also i do have to beg the question was tim 21 also not not was tim 21 not also a um immortal child who true yeah <laughs> was was the key to everything within yeah. the universe and yeah i don't know mm. yeah pretty much yeah on on the other hand yeah comparisons to descender aside i do wonder if it, this is the um so the pixies okay you know se- seminal yeah. late 80s early yeah. 90s alt rock I've, it's, it's often said, not just by me, that the first two Pixies albums are the best ones. 
But if you only had the last two, okay, at the time, obviously now they've released more albums, they got back together <laughs> and all that show. But if you just had like Bossin' Over and Trump Them On from 1990-91, they're still really good albums and they would still be really good albums without what came beforehand. So that I guess my question here is, if we didn't have Descender and we didn't have everything else from these guys, yeah. would would Little Monsters be definitive of their careers? You don't mm. have to answer that, but that's something to think about. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if it would be. I don't know if it's... I, don't, I suspect I would have enjoyed it more if this had been the first of this creative team that I'd read. I suspect I would have enjoyed it more. But I just don't know, because at the back of my mind, it's like... But I have listened to those earlier albums. Yeah, I think that's the problem. It's hard to... Maybe when this is finished, we'll be looking at it as a series and saying, hey, this was actually as good as Descender, Ascender, Gideon, whatever. And it's just right now. It's not as strong a start. No. I think we can say that. Yes. And, And I think... Even though it's not entirely for us, I think if you've read no Descender or Ascender, people you might love this. And yeah. if you're really into vampires and you know child teen protagonists facing insurmountable odds and coming of age stories and all those kind of things, you probably will really like this. Yeah. Also, if if you liked The Walking Dead enough to want kind of something in a really similar vein. Yeah, you'll like this. Um, yeah, it. I think there are people who will probably appreciate it more than we have. Yeah, and it's, it's still a good creative team. It's, whilst it's not as strong as some of the books we've read, it, it is still decent writing and pretty strong art it's just not as good as descender but if you don't yeah. have you know if if you can get past that you're gonna have a good time maybe we'll have a good time yeah. maybe we'll be back for volume two in I six months. months yeah updating this and telling past us that we were wrong yeah and saying you you got it completely wrong guys you need to think about this who knows Mm. I think that's all I have. Same, yeah. I think we've, in yeah, yeah, covered that. Yeah. Which is. Um. So we will be back soon next week with more indie comics, or maybe TV. We haven't actually set a, a, a theme for next week. No, so we we'll, haven't. We'll we'll come back with another thing to talk about. We've been Angela and Zach. Uh, collectively big and capes yeah, and we will be back next week and remember that you know everything changes eventually even us <laughs> good call <laughs>